You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Russell takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, looks, has time. Now he's going to throw. Tyler Lockett looks for the ball. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks! Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. The handoff inside to Carson starts up the middle, now bounces it across the line. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks! Powered by Seahawks.com. I'm looking outside my window. There is still snow on the ground. It reminds me of Sunday's crazy game at Lumen Field between the Bears and the Seahawks. The outcome, not what we wanted, but John Boyle, we will not forget that game anytime soon. It had been how long since we played a snow game in Seattle? I believe 2008 was the last one. Mike Holmgren's last game there and uh, Jets were in town with Brett Farr. I think it was Bob Condota pointed this out. Every the first two snow games, <clears throat> excuse me, at CenturyLink Field, now Lumen Field, were both with Brett Favre, 2006 with the Patriots and 2008 with the Jets. How about that? I did Some not even trivia. put that together. That is odd trivia. And in case you don't recognize our voices, and I don't know why you wouldn't, because you've been listening all year long, Jen Mueller and John Boyle with you to break down not only what we saw on the field during the course of the week and to look ahead to the game against Detroit. Um, but really to kind of get some perspective on where we are in the season, because the outcome on Sunday, the 25-24 loss to the Bears, means that Seattle will finish at the bottom of the NFC West standings. That is a year after finishing number one in the standings. So it is certainly a flip-flop and, and not the outcomes that we wanted. But before we dive into that, John... One of the biggest storylines of the week had nothing to do with the Seahawks and yet everything to do with the roster and the coaching staff. It was the passing of John Madden, which I just, it was hard to see, but it was so inspiring to read all of the comments that that elicited. Yeah. I mean, you don't necessarily think like, everybody kind of has their own connection to John Madden. And I think until he passed, you don't necessarily connect all the dots of this guy touched the game of football for basically 50 plus years, because you've got the older generation remembers him coaching these great Raiders teams. Pete Carroll talked about that of, you know, being nearby. He was in Stockton at university of Pacific starting his coaching career when Madden was leading the Raiders to the Super Bowl, And then you've got this later generation that, know him as an announcer as I grew up hearing him on TV I'm sure you did too Jen and then the video game comes along and you have all these players now current players and even teenagers who have no idea that John Madden was a coach probably don't remember him on TV but they learned football playing that video game so I mean we we heard everything from Daryl Taylor who was born in the late 90s to Pete Carroll who's 70 years old yesterday talking about the influence John Madden had on them just a really great life that guy lived and just so important to the game of football. He absolutely changed the way we view the games, the way we think about Thanksgiving Day games. Who has been yet yeah, Turduckins, <laughs> which I love. In case you haven't had one, it is delicious. Yes. Um, go, Google, go, go to YouTube and find the clip of him talking about Turduckins. It's, yes. it's quite a breakdown. He gets a telestrator out and everything. It is. And you know what? His ability to reach different generations all comes back to who he was as a person. And as Pete pointed out, just the character and, and the, the vivaciousness that he had for what he was doing. Yeah, I think you know, his style crossed, crossed all lines, you know, and, and I, th I think he, he, 
I'm sure that there's a bunch of people that just wanted to watch the game to see what he was going to say and how he was going to bring some kind of energy to it that was that made it more fun. And, and it really, it was always about fun. You know, he's always a, a guy that was making it more fun for everybody. And yeah, he had great great outlook and, and uh, intuition about the game and how it's played and how you should do it and all that kind of stuff. But most of it was he just made it more fun to be part of it. And uh, I would think that he affected a lot of people. You know, I can't imagine him not. John, I can't help but think that Pete is using the same words to describe John Madden as a lot of people use to describe Pete's approach. When you talk about the joy and and the fun that he brings to the game and Pete is in a different set of um, legends in the game, but I think he's probably changing the way people think about football or at least coaching football. Absolutely. And I mean, obviously it started with his USC days. It's funny. Well, actually it started for him. It started before that, but I think he had the freedom to coach the way he wanted USC. He tells a funny story about, you know, his first NFL job at uh, Minnesota and kind of letting his defensive backs kind of letting them have some freedom and having fun and Bud Grant chewed him out for that and kind of told him we don't do that with the players. But once he got the chance, he really, I remember having this conversation with him his first year with the Seahawks is he, he figured out that, look, you can work hard. You can have strict rules. You can be a disciplinarian and still have a hell of a lot of fun while you do it. Like if guys step out of line, he'll cut you. He's not going to take stuff that goes against the rules of the team, but you can still have music and dance and have a good time as long as you're getting your work done. And we see, I mean, you go back, how many teams had music in the NFL at their practices a decade ago? I, I don't know if there were any. And now you go, you hear and national reporters go all around the league training camp. That's the norm now. It's just, he has, I think that's for all the X's knows of, he's a great defensive mastermind, all the games he's won. But one of the coolest things that to me, at least his legacy is he's really shown that you can work really hard and be really good. And this game can still be fun. I think the other part for me is that he does not, at least outwardly, players don't have to conform to one thing, whether that's one style of play or one personality. We have seen players who have been able to speak their mind. We have seen players like a Cam Chancellor who don't fit the mold of a position. And Pete's been open to that. And I think that's the other part of it. I, I think it's having fun. I think it's utilizing your resources and recognizing that what you've always done doesn't have to be what you continue to do in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we've seen it this year with they, they've changed up what they do defensively. I mean, that's not, they didn't tear it all down and start over, but they're using different defensive fronts. And the result has been one of the best run defenses in the NFL. When you talk about yards per carry, he's, you know, he made a tough decision to make a change in offensive coordinator and hand that offense over to, to Shane Waldron. And look, the, the results have not been what we wanted this year. Quarterback's been hurt. There's been a lot of factors in it, but he is willing to still challenge himself. Well, and I like the way that you put that because I, I do think that that's missing a little bit. And, and when you talk about wins and losses, look, you have to have the wins. You need to have the numbers in order to have a successful season. I do think one of the things that Pete Carroll has proven this year is that he is willing to look at different things. At 70 years old, there's, there's certainly a case to be made for, look, just continue to do what you've always done. The fact that you were willing to try and are willing to try an offense that looks completely different and a front that, you know, you weren't sure what the results were going to be on defense. I think that does speak to how Pete Carroll is still learning. He's still growing in the game. And look, the last two games on the schedule, it's providing Pete a chance to grow and make sure that he is still in tune with his players. 
and listening really well, you know, and and uh, and then pushing pushing the challenges of w what we're doing and how it fits, and making sure that we're we're we continue to battle into the answers and be complete in the way that we answer uh, the issues that we're dealing with, you know, with the new team and the new the new game plan. Um, making sure that uh, attitude is really on point and the guy, our coaches have to be the, the, lead, the leadership of, of the attitude because it starts with us and they'll, they'll go wherever we take them and making sure that that is on point um, and then and being willing to, you know, to adapt some things here even this late in the season to see if we can create a little something here and a little something there um, in, in different phases of our just say for instance in our third down game you know there's there's things that we're that we're continue to tweak to see if we can get a, get a little bit of an edge yeah that that question was in response to on Sunday he talked about you know he put a lot of it on him he said I need to be better I need to do more so the question there was kind of okay what what does that look like for a coach to do more and I think that's you know one of the best things about Pete Carroll for how long he's been coaching. And, you you know, as you said earlier, he could just kind of stick to his ways, but he likes to challenge himself, both football and in life. Of He's a guy that still wants to learn. He invites people in to talk to the team who have nothing to do with football. He's, you know, bringing in different football ideas. He's someone who's never content with where he is in terms of his knowledge of both football and life. Yeah, and uh, it is one of the things that I respect most about Pete is just watching him, because I got to be honest, when, you, when I watch him and... I watch him sprint at practices, particularly on Fridays. I think, you know what? I can go out and I can finish my workout. If he can do it, I can do it too. When we look at this matchup between the Lions and the Seahawks on Sunday, you've got the oldest coach in the league, and then you've got a coach in Dan Campbell who is experiencing his first year as a head coach. Here's a few things that we know about the team, John. We know that Jared Goff is the quarterback. We know that they've got a rising star and wide receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown. We know that DeAndre Swift is expected to come back. But what do we really know? And what do we really expect to see at Lumen Field? Well, it's interesting you mentioned Swift coming back because they've been running the ball awfully well without him. And it's it's like a different guy every week. They've had you know some injuries and COVID issues, but they've been a really good running team. And it's not just... You know, Dan Campbell does want to run the ball and he's committed to it, but it's not just the commitment. I mean, they're they're ripping off four and a half a carry, which is among the top teams in the NFL. So, you know, getting Swift back will only give him a boost. He's a great pass catching back, which we know, unfortunately, has been a problem at times for the Seahawks this year. They have cleaned that up quite a bit. But um, and then the other just from a general perspective, they're a team that's still fighting hard to finish the season while well, they they were winless through what, 11 games. I think they were 0 10 and one. Then they've beaten the Falcons and and the Vikings, or I'm sorry, the, they've beaten the Vikings and the Cardinals, two teams that are, you know, legit playoff contenders, especially the Cardinals. So they're not giving up on this season. They're not rolling over. They're, they're going to come in here and fight. You mentioned those rushing numbers. As a team, they have run for more than 1,600 yards, averaging, as you said, four and a half a carry. They have rushed for 100 or more in four straight games, six of the last seven. And it isn't just one guy doing it. They have eight different players who have at least one run of 20 or more yards, right? So they are spreading the ball around. And it's interesting because if you're going to run the ball that much, it seems like it might negate the efforts of the quarterback, but certainly the Hawks are not going to overlook Jared Goff, somebody they have an awful lot of familiarity with. We have a lot of background with Jared, you know, and, and uh, so we do feel familiar with what he's capable of doing. He's been a, 
really effective player against us over the years, and, and we've had our games, but he's had his games. And so we have a good sense for what he what he brings, and and uh, so yeah, they are running running the football and really committed to it. And you know, Coach Campbell has obviously made that that uh, you know clear in their program. But uh, Jared is a good game manager, and he's always been able to uh, complement the other the rest of the game. And he did it at the Rams for years. Yeah, this will be the tenth time that he faces the Seahawks. He is five and four against Seattle. Of course, very different weapons in Detroit than he had with the Rams. Here's something else that we can expect from the Lions: fourth down tries. Dan Kemp, where's the nickname for him? Remember, it was Riverboat Ron a few years ago who kept going for it on fourth down. But what Dan Campbell is getting ready to set a record for the number of times they've attempted a fourth down. I love it. You know, especially I think there's too many coaches in his position might be playing not to get fired and being a little more conservative, but I like the aggressiveness. I mean, you got, you know, in terms of the big picture of the season, you don't have much to lose after you start the year 0 and 8. So have some fun, go for it a lot. And I mean, look, we've seen a lot of the, a lot of the advanced stats tell you that that's a good strategy. And, you know, I wouldn't imagine over time we're going to see the league shift more and more that way, but it, it does put an extra burden on defense. Cause look, it's tough when you, you get that big third down stop and you think, all right, we're off the field and it's fourth and two. And like, Nope, you got to make another play. Yeah. And a couple more things, right? Seattle has not gotten off the play off the field. And some of those key situations in the last couple of weeks, the lions have been very good at getting some of those yards after catch Seattle has had some of that soft zone going on in the middle of the field that could pose some problems on Sunday. When we talk specifically about those fourth down numbers, so far, the Lions have gone for it 36 times. They have converted 18 of those attempts, and 10 of those have been fourth and one. Again, let's go back and point out Jared Goff can run a quarterback sneak and can fall forward for that extra yard. So certainly something that they want to look out for. Oh, and they're not afraid to run a fake punt or two from time to time, so they're definitely pulling out all the stops. When we flip the conversation around and we look at the Seahawks offense, it is about establishing the run game, as Pete Carroll has already said, with Rashad Penny. But also, John, I see some opportunities here in the fact that the the Detroit defense has not been able to get off the field themselves this year. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we know the probably the biggest issue with this Seahawks offense is they've not been able to convert on third down, sustain drives. They've been, you know, the fewest plays run on offense, the lowest time of possession. So if that's something that the Lions have not been good at, you got to capitalize. You got to make this a game where you fix some of those third down issues. You take advantage of them. And especially if it's, you know, third and six or so or less, stay on the field. Make this a game where you actually win time of possession, which they've only done, I believe, once this entire season. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's been the big thing this whole season for this offense. And it'd be, a, be great to see him turn the title a bit. Well, and I would expect them to hand the ball to Rashad Penny. First of all, Adrian Peterson gets placed on IR. So his season is done. You may or may not have Alex Collins, who has made it off the COVID list, but is still dealing with some of those injuries from before. And Pete said, look, there's nothing more for Rashad to do outside of just continue what he's been doing. He's just got to keep playing. He's got to, we got to go play another football game and go do what he's doing. He's, uh, I think his, his confidence is, is totally there, um, and which I don't know if you guys have had knees before or you know what that's like, but um, you got to get back from that, and he's over it, and it's behind him, and he's ready to just keep cranking. Um, it feels good, looks good, excited about it, and we're 
I mean, everybody that's watched him in the last, you know, going on to be a month now this week, um, he's got to be thrilled about what he looks like. He's been active and tough and, and, and creative and, and, uh, and explosive. And, and so we just want to go play football again. There's, there's not more than that. I do love it when a coach refers to an injury without saying the injury. So he says, I don't know if you guys have ever had knees before. Well, coach, in fact, I have too, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it does, it does I, make me chuckle. Yeah. But anyway, about Rashad Penny, it's, uh, it's great to see and kind of Pete allude to this, but to me, the best thing he's done this season has not been rushing for 135 yards last week or 137 yards against Houston. It's the fact that you go back to, I believe it was week 13 or so, He's been on the field game after game after game. He's been the lead back in all of those games, except the game Adrian Peterson started and he's come back the next week and he's practiced and he's played. And that for him, the talent's always been there. I mean, he's been a guy, you get him the carries he's going to produce. He's, he has five runs of 25 or more yards this year. That's tied for the second most in the NFL. And he's done it on like 71 carries. The only guy with more is Jonathan Taylor, who's carried the ball about 8,000 times, which is, uh, look is that it up. an official number? That might not be accurate, but he's definitely had a bigger workload than Rashad Penny. So the guy's explosive. He's running hard. He's doing everything right. So look, if he can get through two more games, just finish the season strong, that's just going to do big things for him and his confidence going into next year, you know, free agent year for him. And, you know, maybe just finally putting all this injury stuff behind him and hopefully he can start a second chapter of his career, whether it's here or elsewhere, that is very successful. Well, and the numbers that Detroit held Atlanta to last week suggest that it could be tough running for Rashad. The Falcons managed less than 50 rushing yards last week against this Detroit defensive front. Hey, one more question about the offense, because I'm looking here and for all of the numbers where Detroit kind of lags behind in some of the standings, they are in the conversation for allowing some of the fewest completions in the NFL completion percentage wise. They are sixth in the NFL. What does that mean for DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, especially given just kind of the boom or bust opportunities that seem to have existed for them? Yeah, I mean, look, I, whatever defense is presenting, if this Seahawks offense is doing what it should, I like those guys' chances. I mean, we've seen DK Metcalf have success against Jalen Ramsey. We've seen both these guys put up huge numbers. You know, if anything, maybe there's games where one guy gets more attention and the other guy can have a big day. But, you know, again, regardless of who's out there, I, I just want to see, much like I was saying about third down, I just want to see this offense kind of be what it should and finish the year strong, you know, give you a little hope going forward. Uh, unfortunately, it's going to be too late to – salvage anything playoff wise anything like that but let's see those guys get going it's been a while since we've seen both those guys really involved in a game at the same time I'd, I'd love to see that happen all right here's what I would love to see happen next two things you need to see for a Seahawks win on Sunday well we talked about that Lions running game I, I'd like to just keep whoever's kind of the feature back whether it's Swift coming back or whoever else it is keep them under 100 rushing yards the Seahawks have been really good on run defense basically all year since really what the Minnesota game, they've been really good stopping teams, shutting down the run, keep that up. Other side of the ball, be good on third down. It's been, been the big bugaboo all year. Let's, let's get to 50%. I was going to say you stole my number, but you set the bar a little bit higher right now. The lions are allowing opponents to convert 43% of their third downs. That, that is the worst in the league. So I was going to say 45, but you said 50%. I'm, so I'm getting greedy. We'll bump it up. We'll bump it up to 50%. Here's what else I'd like to see. A couple of takeaways. Detroit has 20 giveaways this year. 20. 
of them. Now, ball hawking defense has 16 takeaways, but let's focus on the, the Seahawks and the defensive opportunities there to get uh, to get a momentum swing and, and take that ball away and and hopefully finish out the home schedule on a high note. I know it's going to be an overall disappointing season, but boy, it'll feel a lot better if you can get a couple of games to close it out on. Couldn't agree more, Jen. I, I had nothing to add because you, you said it so perfectly. I didn't. I was waiting to... for a big finish, and there it was, or not. But we will see how all of this plays out on Sunday at Lumen Field, and we will be back with you next week for another edition of the Seahawks Insiders Podcast.